Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Through my last teaching on the subject of the grace experience, the subject of grace is a very broad subject. It is the main subject of the New Testament. But I want to hope that what I've done so far can give everybody some level of understanding about what grace, the grace of God is all about. Last Sunday, I started talking about the grace package. Somebody said the grace package. I have come to see grace as a package of blessings. When you read the New Testament, you will see the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit Every time he writes to any church, his first greeting is that grace be unto you. I used to read that religiously until I began to study the subject of grace more seriously. And I realized that Paul did not write that just for a religious greeting. Amen. He wrote that because he was pronouncing blessing to the people. So I will show you examples. In Romans chapter 1, if we read from verse 7, Romans chapter 1 verse 7, it says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, hallelujah. And don't you ever forget that you are the beloved of God. Oh, can I hear an amen? Yeah. If the devil can make you forget that you are the beloved of God, he will cheat you. He will mess you up. He will destroy you. He will fight you. When you give your life to Christ and you become born again, you become a child of God, you are not just any ordinary child of God. You are the beloved of God. Amen. That is why when God wanted to make a statement about his son, Jesus, he said, this is my word, my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. That is what God himself said about his son. But the truth is that God did not say that about Jesus alone. He's saying that about you and me today. But you know when the devil came to tempt Jesus. After the 40 days and 40 nights of fasting in the desert. You know the first, the temptation. You know what the statements he made. He said what? If you are what? The son of God. Do you realize he took something out? He took the word beloved out. No, God said about Jesus, he said, this is my beloved son. Satan came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, he should have said, if you are the beloved son of God. Because one thing Satan doesn't want you to ever understand, he doesn't want you to ever know, he doesn't want you to ever appreciate, is the fact that you are the beloved of God. Paul Another inspiration of the Spirit said, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Then he said what? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see this one. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 2. He said, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, Called to be saints with all who in every place call on what? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
our Lord, both days and hours. Look at verse 3. Grace to you and what? Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll come to talk about the word peace later. It said grace to you and peace. When you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, it said grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. When we go to Galatians 1, verse 2, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In other words, the Apostle Paul's greatest interest, intention, as the Spirit of God inspired him to write to Christians in all these cities was the grace of God. Amen? But what I am teaching today is not about you knowing about grace, but it's about you enjoying the grace. Now, when Paul said, grace be to you, he was saying, enjoy it. Grace is not a subject you study. It is a blessing to be enjoyed. Grace is a blessing to be enjoyed. So, our favorite scripture in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of, of the Holy Spirit. The word communion there, it means fellowship. Amen? And the word fellowship there, it means interaction, association. It means companionship. It means assistance. It means comfort. It means presence of the Holy Spirit. So the grace of God makes you enjoy the love of God and the constant interaction, association with the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, it should be with you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Grace is a blessing to be enjoyed. It is a blessing to be enjoyed. And when you look at the subject of grace, I want you to read something that I believe is what introduced the subject of grace. When Jesus spoke about, about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 12. He said, I still, Jesus taught the disciples many things. He taught about prayer. He taught about fasting. He taught about giving. He talked about love. He taught about a lot of things, a lot of parables. Getting to the end of his ministry, you know what he said? He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot understand it now. Give me the amplified version. I still have many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them or take them upon you or grasp them now. Can we read the NLT version? He said, there is still so much more I want to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. Does this suggest to you that there is still, there are things Jesus did not teach the disciples before he left? I believe so. Amen. Why was he saying you cannot understand it now? Look at verse 13 so that you don't get confused. He said, however, when he, 
the spirit of truth has come. He will do what? Guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So the reason why Jesus said, a lot of things I still want to teach, but you cannot understand it, is because the Holy Spirit had not yet come to them. But he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, now you will be ready to understand the things I wanted to teach you, which you don't have the capacity to understand now, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will facilitate your understanding. He will give you the capacity to understand everything I wanted to teach. That means today, we are not supposed to be ignorant of anything that Christ wanted to teach. Amen? Now, Apostle Paul was not with these people when Jesus was talking. You know that. Yeah, he was not with them. He was not even saved. After Jesus was dead and gone... Apostle Paul was a Pharisee, and he was, you know, killing Christians, mobilizing people to destroy churches and killing Christians because this, the Pharisees saw Christianity as an ungodly religion. On the road to Damascus, Apostle Paul met Jesus and became born again, and he began to preach. And this is what he said about his preaching. In Galatians chapter um, 1, look at what he said. He said, but I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Paul said, I never sat down with any of the apostles to teach me what I'm preaching. It's not according to man. Verse 12. He said, for I neither, I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. So, Apostle Paul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and began to receive direct revelations from Christ. Out of it, he wrote Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, he alone. And everything he wrote and taught there was about the grace. So what did Jesus say? I have many things to tell you, but you cannot understand it now. I believe it was about this subject. Paul said, grace be unto you. When he was writing to the churches, I believe if he was there himself, and if before he preached, he would say, grace be unto you. Don't you, don't you think so? And after preaching, he would still say it, another one. Because the most important thing that can make you triumph, victorious, enjoy the blessings of God, enjoy the goodness of God as a Christian is the grace of God. Paul the apostle himself in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, what I am today is not because of any other thing except grace. From verse 8, look at what he said from verse 8, apostle Paul. He said, then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. What Paul was saying that I was not fortunate to, to be with Jesus physically when he was alive on earth. I met him after he died and resurrected. I met him only in visions. He said, born out of due time. Amen. Verse 9, verse 9, he said, for I am the least, listen to this, I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I am the least of the apostles. I am not even, I don't deserve to be called the apostle. So grace 
makes you to become what you don't deserve to be. I said, grace makes you become what you don't deserve to be. And I say to somebody here under the sound of my voice, what people thought you can never be, the grace of God will make you to become it. In the name of Jesus. Listen, God has great things he wants to do with your life. But it will not happen because of your family background or your educational qualification or your intelligence and smartness. It will not happen because of your connections and what you know. It will happen only because of grace. It will happen because of grace. It will happen because of grace. I said it will happen because of grace. And listen, the reason why God will make it happen that way is so that he alone will take the glory. People who say, I qualify, God will bypass them. People who say, I am the best, God is not interested in them. God is looking for people who say, I am the worst. So what you think is your weakest point can become your strongest point when the grace of God kicks in. So this morning, I don't know what has been your greatest struggle in life. Maybe your greatest struggle is, is the devil. Your greatest struggle is poverty. Let the grace of God take over. You can, you'll be shocked what will happen. If your greatest struggle is marriage crisis, enough of your self-effort, enough of your strength. Let the grace of God take over. Even the sin that is your greatest struggle can become the easiest thing for you to overcome when you allow the grace of God to take over. Say, I hear you. So Paul said, I am the least of the apostles. There is somebody here today, they used to call you the least, but very soon, by the grace of God, you are moving from the least to the greatest. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. They used to call you the worst. They used to call you the smallest. They used to call you the one that is far behind. But by the grace of God, you are moving from behind to the front. It will not happen because of your strength. It will happen because of grace. Somebody shout grace. Paul said, I am the least of the apostles and I'm not worthy to be called. Because I persecuted the church. Listen, your past mistakes cannot stop your future. I said, your past mistakes cannot stop your future. When people are busy talking about your mistakes, move into your future. Because there is a future God has for you. It cannot be compared to the past. I don't care what you have done before. The grace of God can make it up. In the name of Jesus. I don't care what mistakes you've made. What mess you've made. I don't care what has been destroyed in your past. I don't, I don't care what, how much damage the devil has caused your life. But there is still a future for you. If you come into contact with the grace of God. The verse 10 he said. But by the grace of God. I am what I am. Wow. By the grace of God, I am what I am. So you are going to prosper because of grace. You are going to have a good marriage because of grace. Hallelujah. Your life is going to get better and better and better because of the grace of God. In the name of Jesus. You are going to see the goodness of God because of grace. You are going to live long because of grace. In the name of Jesus. That sickness harassing you, you are going to be totally healed of it because of the grace of God. What killed others cannot kill you because of the grace. What stopped others can't stop you because of grace. Hallelujah. I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Wow. That's why I'm preaching like this. 
that there is so much grace available to you, it must not be in vain. Why should you be poor when the grace is at work in your life? Why should you fail when the grace is at work? Why should you not marry when grace is at work? Paul said, the grace, it came to me, but thank God it was not in vain. It was not in vain. Turn to neighbor and tell him, the grace of God must not be in vain in your life. When you receive Jesus, the grace of God has come to be with you. But you need to know, oh, you can have a lot of money in the bank and be hungry. Unless you know how to cash that money, you will be hungry. You will be surprised that you are hungry, but you will be hungry. You will complain, but you will still be hungry. Amen? Oh, yeah. You can even cry, but I tell you, you will still be hungry. Until you get up, walk boldly to the bank. No apologies. Slap your check on the counter. You can decide not to greet the teller. Tell you what, they will give you your money. Because it is yours. Amen. So Paul said, the grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I. But the grace of God, which was with me. Paul said, I work more than the rest of the apostles, and yet it is not my strength. The grace enabled me to work hard, to work hard, to do so much, to do so much. Paul said, I was the last of the apostles to be called. That, that's verse 8. He said, born out of due season. That means, Paul said, if it was our day, Paul was the kind of people who said they are late. He said they are late. I came to tell you, if you are in Christ, nothing is late to because what it took somebody 10 years to do, you can have it in a day. He said, I was the one that was late, but grace took over my life. And I was not even qualified to be among them, but grace took over my life, and I did better than the rest. Oh, I see you doing better. I see you becoming the best. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I see you becoming the best. They won't call you average. They will call you the best. I said they will call you the best. And when they start calling you the best, you will look at yourself and it will not be because you are nice. It will be because of grace. In the name of Jesus. It will not be because you are intelligent or smart, but it will be because of grace. It will not be because you come from a very rich family, but it will be because of grace. Somebody say amen to that. Verse 11. So therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, spoke so much about the grace of God. The grace of God is a package, it's a blessing. And the contents of the package must be understood. I spoke about five important contents of the grace package. The first one is that the grace of the Lord Jesus brings you into a new covenant with God. And this covenant is different from the old covenant. The old covenant says, if you do good, you get blessed. You do bad, you get cursed. And that covenant was made between God and the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai. When Jesus came, he brought a new covenant on Mount Calvary. No more on Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, there was judgment. There was God's anger and judgment against anybody who did wrong. On Mount Calvary, there was the love of God poured out to people who believe in Christ. 
and become children of God. There was the love of God. The grace of God made us the beloved children of God. First John 3, 1, it said, What manner of love the Father has bestowed to us as that we should be called children of God. So this morning, in case you forgot what I said last week, God is crazily in love with you. He loves you so much, he can't stop thinking about you. He said, the very hairs of your head are numbered by him. Your name is written in his palm. When you open his hands, he sees your name. He thinks about you. He loves you. That is why he protects you. Listen, he protects you not because you are good. He protects you because he loves you. He blesses you not because you are good. He blesses you because he loves you. And the love that he, he has for you is not conditional. It is unconditional. It has nothing to do with your goodness. It has all to do with his decision to love you because you give your life to Jesus. And this morning I want to say, you don't need to beg God to heal you. He loves you so much, you don't need to beg him to heal you. You don't need to beg him to bless you. He loves you, whatever you ask him, he will give it to you. Because he loves you, amen? He will love you and that love never ends. And because he loves us, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to... First of all, teach us the word of God so that we can understand the principles of God. Now, anybody who does not understand the principles of God is called an ignorant person. Now, what ignorance does is that it will make you suffer. And God loves you. He doesn't want you to suffer. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit, first of all, is to teach you the word so that you can know. Listen, life is designed to operate on principles. Listen, God loves you. But like I said last Sunday, if we close from church with all the love of God flowing over you, if you stand in the middle of the road in front of our church, an articulated truck is coming and you didn't move, it will kill you. God's love does not violate principles. Why are Christians not prospering? Because the principles that make Christians to prosper, either they don't know it or they know it but they are not practicing it. Why are Christian marriages not doing well? Because there are principles that make marriage to work. That you are a child of God does not mean that the marriage will work anyhow. No, it will not work anyhow. Thank you to the man telling me it will not work anyhow. So whatever you are not the sound of my voice, nothing will work for you anyhow. Thank you to the man telling me again, nothing will work anyhow. Tell him everything works by principle. Yeah, so whether you are in business, business works on principle. An unbeliever engaging right principles will have a better business than a believer who is engaging the wrong principles. Business operates on principles. If you are a salaried worker, there are principles that will ensure you to move forward. If you are a salaried worker, you can pray for favor before your boss a thousand times, and yet you have a bad character. You lie all the time. You are dishonest. You are lazy. You are the last to get to work, first to leave the workplace, never meet deadlines. How could you get favor before a boss when you are like that? So the Holy Spirit teaches you that being a child of God does not mean you should be lazy. Amen? Because lazy people will never prosper. Believe me, you will never become wealthy. So the Holy Spirit teaches you the principles of life. And he uses the scriptures to teach you. That is why you must have time. You know, anytime you take the Bible, the Bible is not a book full of commandments to make you sad and uncomfortable. No. The Bible is a book full of principles which you cannot understand 
until the Holy Spirit begins to help you. That when you read, you see things in there that nobody else can see. You see answers to the questions you have been asking. Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why? You see answers. And then you begin to see that people who have understanding to the principles of God, they become very wise people. They become intelligent people. They make smarter decisions than ed very educated people of their same age group. They make smarter decisions than old people. They become mature because they begin to understand life better. The other work of the Holy Spirit is to guide you. The Holy Spirit does not only teach you, he guides you. Romans 8, 14, he said, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. I want to say something very serious this morning. In the Old Testament, because the Holy Spirit was not given to every Christian, under the Old Testament, people of God needed an external guidance. So they needed the prophets to tell them, this is what to do, this is where to pass. Because they did not have the Holy Spirit with them. So the major source of guidance in the Old Testament was the prophets. In the New Testament, under the grace of God, every believer has the Holy Spirit. The major source of guidance in the New Testament is not prophets. If you go to a prophet to give you guidance, you have totally missed it. And whatever guidance he gives you will, will never be the will of God. I've told people, I said, you can never do the right thing the wrong way. The Holy Spirit is the one God has given us in the New Testament to guide us. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In John 16 verse 13, he said, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truths. He guides people. He guides people. He will guide you. Now, the fourth content of the grace package is forgiveness of sins. And it started right on Mount Calvary. Can you imagine Jesus in that pain, looking at all these people who were happily whipping him, beating him. They were busy, happily insulting him and doing that. Can you imagine Jesus lifted up his voice to heaven and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Jesus looked at these people beating him like this and he said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. If people like that, like that could get God's forgiveness in the New Testament, then you and I, we, we, can, we, we deserve forgiveness, don't you think so? Because we haven't done this much. Will you do that to Jesus? You love him, don't you? You love him, don't you? So forgiveness of sins. Now, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness means exemption from punishment. Exemption from punishment. You know that... When we say it's a law at all levels, national, institutional, anywhere you see law, there is an offense and then there is an appropriate punishment for people who commit that offense. That is law. So when we talk about a law, we are looking out for an offense that is mentioned and what punishment will be meted out to somebody who commits that offense. Are you following me? So when a judge sits on any case at court, he is only trying to find out whether the accused person is guilty of the offense or not. As for the law, it's already there. The judge is not now trying to go and invent a law. The law is there. Somebody is being accused of a particular offense. The judge is trying to see, find out whether the accused person has committed the offense. If the person is found out to have committed the offense, he goes to look into what the law said 
that is the appropriate punishment. And he comes to read um, his verdict. Are you, are you following? So every offense has the appropriate punishment. Forgiveness means that an offender is found guilty, but he was not punished. Forgiveness of sins means that we were guilty of sin, but God decided to forgive us. He decided to do what? To forgive us. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.